Check. Uh, good morning, church. Um, it's good to be back. Uh, I've been back in the States for about uh, two weeks now, and I'm very glad and very happy to see you guys and really glad to just share my heart. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, my name is uh, Joe Aranias, and uh, for the past three years, um, I've been living in China. And um, today I just want, really want to share uh, my heart. Um, I want to be vulnerable with you, uh, and I just really want to share what God's been doing in my life um, over the past three years. And uh, I may lose it, I may be a little uh, emotional, but you know, I just really want to share my heart with you guys. Um, whew, see, it's already starting. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> every time I come home, uh, every time I've been here, I always seem to talk about God's love. Um, God's love, God's love. And some of you might be tired of it. It's a very basic, actually, it's, it is a basic, but it's the building block upon we build our faith. It's the building block we build our life around. It's God's love for us. Like, and it's like growing up in church, growing up here, I knew for the longest time, yeah, I'm sure all of you know, yeah, God loves me, yeah. A lot of you know it. You know it from a book. You know it from what other people say. You hear it from other people's testimonies. But a lot of us don't know it in here. And three years ago, God started showing me here. And I think so many people here in church know that here, but they don't know it here. And I just want to share it with you because it's so good. It's so big. It's so wide. How much God loves us. Like, I wasn't going to share on this because I always talk about this. Um, I know you guys are going to, on a series on the early church, and I'll tell you what, the early church knew that God loved them. They had firsthand experience. They saw Jesus die on the cross. We don't have that. All we have is a book. We don't have experience. We just know it through a book. We know it through other people's testimonies. But we don't know it here. But I'll tell you what. God wants you to experience his love too. He doesn't want you to just know it through a cross. He wants you to feel his embrace. It goes beyond what our knowledge, what we know. And I wasn't going to share on this, but through the power of the internet, um, we have podcasts. And... Uh, of this church, I was one day I was like, ooh, LOH has a podcast, and it was on the internet, and I was in China, and I was like, ooh, I can connect with my church, and about, uh, this was about February, and it never worked in China, I don't know, maybe it was blocked, um, but about a week before, actually, a week before I left China, I, I tried to clean out my computer, and I saw, hey, it's working, and the first one it downloaded was a message by my brother. <clears throat> Uh, he did a message in February about, and it was titled, How Deep, How Wide, How Long? And it was about the story of Hosea. 
And in my head, this was about two, three weeks ago when it first downloaded, and I was like, I don't want to talk about God's love. That's what I always talk about. Because that's what God is dealing with me in China. It's like, he's not dealing with it. You know, and then when I saw this, I was like, hey, you know, he's dealing it with here. He's dealing it with home. God, maybe this is some, God, I know this is something you want to talk about. How deep, how wide, how far your love is for you, for you. Now, um, today I might say something that you might not agree with growing up in church. I may say something that may make you think a little bit. or I may say something that you go like, whoa, whoa, I don't know about that. My goal here is not to argue. My goal here is for you to see with a different lens that God loves you. Um, This is what God has been dealing with me in the last three years. And so my goal is for you to see God, that God is for you, not against you, that he loves you. And um, um, so just, uh, yeah, sit back, enjoy the ride. If you guys have any questions, like I'm I'm not a preacher. Uh, Most of the ministry I do in China um, is just talking to people, is sitting there with no agenda, but to sit there and share life and love on one another. And we, you know, we have, sometimes we have no agenda of talking about the Bible or, or God, but it comes up naturally. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions, I know it's a little weird, or if you need me to clarify anything, please just say it, do it. Um, <clears throat> so, um, let me do a test. God is good. All the time. Do you guys believe that? Amen. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> he is. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Now, for me, growing up in the church, yeah, I know God's good. Yeah, I know He loves me. Yeah, I know He died on the cross for me. But for me, just recently it became a reality reality to me, how good he is. For me, growing up in the church, a lot of the things I learned never lined up with God being good. Never lined up with God being good. And today, I will tell you this, before... Coming to China, before going to China, hear me out. I used to believe that God was proud, that God was a slave master who wanted me to do whatever he wanted me to do. God is proud, that God is a glory hog. He wants all the attention. I used to believe that. Now he's like, whoa, Joe, that's crazy. What did you learn in China? You know? I'll tell you why I believe that. I may not have said it outright. I may not have said, it, said God is proud. God wants other glory. God just wants my 10% of everything I have. Right? But my actions showed it. What do I mean? Everything I did in church, everything I did with my life, I did because it pleased God. 
You say, whoa, what's wrong with that? You want to please God. There's nothing wrong with that, with wanting to please God. But that's the only reason I wanted to do it, was to please God. Right? <clears throat> when I was, this is where I start to mess up, right? I can force myself to read my Bible every single day, right? I do it because it's a spiritual discipline, because I want to know God more, and it's the Christian thing to do. Read your Bible, pray every day, do it. It's a principle. You reap what you sow. So, serving in the church, helping out the youth ministry, I did it because God, it would please God. I would do it because it would please God. I did this because it pleased God. I went to China because it pleased God. Right? Nothing wrong with that. But what I did to get this image of what, what I did to say that God is proud, that God is an attention hog, that God wants my money. What made me think like that was because I did those things without love. I did it as an action. I used to have this perception. Maybe some of you do right now. Right? Um, it's helping out in the youth ministry when you try to get other people involved. You're like, hey, Fur, you know, why don't you speak this Sunday? Or Joe, why don't you speak this Sunday? And so a lot of times your answer is, nah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not holy enough. Like, I'm not, I'm just not ready, you know. I'm not right with God right now, right? When I would go speak to the young people, I had to make sure everything I did that week, like everything leading up to Friday, I had to make sure the night before I couldn't hang out with friends and go out and do something because I had to stay right with God. That if I did those things, if I went out with my friends and partied, that the next day when I would preach his word, God would hold it over my head. Like, you know what you did last night? It's like, so... What you're, what you're preaching today, this good news, because you didn't, you, you weren't right with me, you know, you're not going to be a blessing to other people, right? A lot of the things I did was out of motivation that God would withhold his blessing from me. I think a lot of us have that perception that when we have this law mentality that when we do something wrong, we will get wrong, which is, it's, uh, what it is. It is what it is. It's a principle. It's a law. It's a law mentality. And I just want you to know right now that you don't have to live like that. Even Christians still in a church still live like that. Why do you serve? Because it pleases God. You want to be pleasing to God, right? You want your faith to have action. And our, our life comes all about action, doing, doing these principles, but we forget the essence of why we do these things, which is God's love. Why do you... Okay. Why, why do we fail? Because... Let me say this, sorry. Why is the Christian life hard? Because there's, we can never meet the standards. We can never meet the standards. Right? A preacher is supposed to be... Follow all the rules, right? A preacher is not supposed to sin. But we hold them in this high light. We hold them in this high light. Right? As a, as a young person growing up, helping out in the youth, 
you know, the young people would say, I can't do what you do because you're so holy, Joe. I'd be like, yeah, right. Do you know what I did last night? Right? In my head, I wouldn't say that because I'd be ashamed. Like, yeah, you know. A lot of us live in the shame that we have to have this facade, that we have to have it together. We have to have it together in order to serve God. Because if we don't have it together, something's going to happen, right? Something's going to happen. I know that a lot of you, some of you may have this perspective, like, you know, that if I, my kid is going to go crazy, when I have a kid, my kid is going to be a bad kid because it's payback for what I did when I was a kid, right? That's not what God does. God does not have this law mentality. The law mentality is that you do something in order to become. I was under this law mentality that I serve God in order for me to become righteous, that I serve in the church in order for me to become holy. I serve God in order for him to love me. That's why I do it. And when, when I did that, when I did that, it became clear to me that I did that, that I, when I do that, that God is proud. That God is, wants all my attention. He's a glory hawk, that he takes it all. Right? And as a Christian in the church, we learn the lingo, right? We have to get right with God. Um, when people, when, when uh, we pray, when we worship here, right? We say, let's get right with God before we worship him. When we do our testimony, we want our communion. When we have communion, we got to think of everything we did. You know, we hear this, like, when we have the communion, before I take it, I want to be like, before, I'd be like, okay, what did I do last week? I uh, watched this. Oh, sorry, God, that I watched that. Uh, uh, this person in front of me, I uh, hated them and I wanted to punch them. God, forgive me for that. Uh, last week, I, uh, you know, we, we, we think in our head, before, before we can come to God, that you have to confess your sins, that you have to be holy, that you have to do something in order to become like him, in order to become a child of God, that we have to Follow the laws that we have to read our Bible every day in order for us to know God more. Let me tell you this, right? <clears throat> How many of you have ever heard the term, I hear this all the time, when a prominent pastor or a pastor or somebody um, has an affair or falls into sin, right? Um, there's a scandal. What do we say? That holy man fell out of grace. It's in our church lingo that we have to do something in order to become. That pastor had to be holy. He sinned. Now he fell out of grace. Let me tell you, when we do that, we think God, we have a wrong mentality. We have a wrong uh, view of who God is. And what God is, is love. When a pastor or when you sin has this scandal, you do not fall out of grace, what do you do? You fall into grace. You fall into the arms of a loving father. Right? Willing to accept you because you've sinned. Church, I want to tell you right now, right now, no matter what you did last night, no matter what you did this morning, no matter what you th you're thinking about doing after, if you believe 
in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, right now, what you're thinking, you are 100% right with God. You are 100% holy. You are 100% worthy that no sin can make, you God, can make God love you any less, but no good deeds can make, you, make God love you even more. He's just that good. That's the good news, that you don't have to worry about getting right with God and dropping all your sins before you can become a pastor, before you can become a missionary, before you can share the word with your friend. You don't have to worry about that. Like, even if you sin, you'll still be blessed. You ever think about that? Like, how many times you mess up, but you're still blessed? The same day? Right? It's an easy concept. God is good all the time. But it's in our language that he isn't, the way we view him. Yeah, we say, we say God's good, but we don't do it. How else? How else is he good? How else is he good in ways uh, we, we, we don't express? I have been guilty of saying this. Um, my testimony, a lot of you guys know my testimony about me breaking my leg when I was 16 years old. When I used to give that testimony, I used to say, God broke my leg in order for me to learn how to be more patient. Um, you know, I lost my job. God took away my job for this season in order for me to learn this. Um, we use it all the time in our testimony, the way we talk. God gave me cancer, and I learned this, you know. I'm telling you right now, that's the wrong language. When we say that, when we say that God did this, we're saying that God is not good. Because why would a loving father break your leg in order for you to, to learn how to be more patient? Why would your father take away your job in order to teach you how to, be, to rely on him more? That's not what a loving father would do. Would you do that to your daughter? No. We need to change the language, our perception of how we see God. I think as a Christian church, we've, we've developed that language in order to help us cope, to give us answers. Right? Begin to say, God, I don't know why I lost my job, but I have a God that works all things together for good. I don't know why I have cancer. I don't know why I broke my leg. But I know that I have a father who is for me and not against me. See, if we really want to view God as love, we have to change the way we see. We have to change the way we speak. Because God is telling you all the time that he loves you. But if you don't see it, if you don't speak it, what's the use? If you're trying to earn his love by doing good deeds, by reading your Bible every day, you're missing the whole point. It's all about love. It's all about his love for you. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> each one of you, if you believe that God is your savior, you are 100% right with God right now, right now. <clears throat> and one of the things that I've, 
one of the habits that I've learned to undo to really get a good perspective on God's love for me is um, asking for forgiveness, right? As a believer, right now, why do you ask for forgiveness? Growing up in church, I used to ask for forgiveness. My mentality was, I asked for forgiveness to get right with God. To get right with God. That, okay, when I do communion, I want to be right. I want to be holy. I want to do the right thing. So I'm going to confess to God, right, that every time I sin, I'm separated from God. So in order for me to turn back to him, I have to realize what I did wrong, even as a believer, that I have to realize what I did wrong, turn to him and say, this is what I did. Okay, now I can take a step towards you, God, because I recognize what I did wrong. Right? I used to think that when you, when I asked for forgiveness, I do it out of an attitude. My motivation was to get right with God. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Let me give you an example. This is what you do when your pure motivation is to get right with God, right? Let's say, I'm going to use Mike and Faith as an example, because they're newlyweds. They're newlyweds, right? When they're giving their vows, Mike says to Faith, Faith, I will love you for all my life. I would even die for you, Faith, right? You know, I love you with all my heart, but Faith, if you cheat on me, if you ever cheat on me, and you don't tell me about it, if you do that, if you don't tell me about it, you're, I'm going to burn you. I'm going to burn you the rest of your life. Right? You're going to burn. That's what we do to God when we have this perception that, you know, that I have to I have to be completely honest to be right with him. Now, Faith may never cheat on Mike. I'm sure Faith won't cheat on Mike. But you know what else that creates? She'll never get close to Mike. She'll never have a, a heart for Mike. She'll always be afraid that every little mistake she makes is going to make Mike mad. Is going to make, you know, that Mike's going to send his judgment. When we do that with God, like, Everything we make, we're walking on eggshells. Like, oh, I didn't read my Bible today. I'm sorry, God. Please don't make this break and make me go to hell, right? Oh, God, you know, I thought about someone this way. This way. That's what we're doing with God. That's crazy, right? That's crazy thinking. When you ask for forgiveness, you don't do it out of duty, out of a threatening. You do it. You don't ask for forgiveness to get right with God. You ask for forgiveness because you are right with God. You are 100% right with him. If you don't know that you are right with God, if you don't know that you are holy, if you don't know that God loves you, you're never going to get close to him. You're never going to want to open up your, your junk with him. Right? You're never going to want to. You're never going to want to. <clears throat>
Um, let me paint you another picture. I was watching my brother hold his daughter uh, as, as praise and worship was going on. Um, now imagine John holding his daughter, right? John's holding her. Like, oh, Selah, beautiful, beautiful, right? And it's like, now Selah, you're my daughter. I love you. Now, if you disobey me and uh, you tell me about it, I'll forgive you. But uh, if you do it again and again and again and never tell me about it and I never find out, I'm watching you. No, I'm always watching you. And if you don't tell me about it, guess what? You're going to burn in hell. <laughs> right? Right? Oh, or how about this? Right? <clears throat> She's holding, he's holding Selah, right? It's like, Selah, hey, you know what? When you grow up, you're going to serve me. You're going to do whatever I say. You're going to go to China, even if you don't want to. Right? Right? Or what if, what if, what if he said this to Selah? Selah, here's this book. Everything you need to know about me is in here. Read it every day. See you later. Right? That's how you'll know me. <clears throat> what if John said, Selah, uh, you know, Selah, I don't think you're very patient. So you're going to get sick. Uh, you don't trust me enough. Uh, I'm going to take this away. Or, Selah, when you grow up, everything you do, everything you own, you got to give me 10%, because if you don't give me 10%, I will release my hand of protection from you. I won't protect you anymore. How many of us would do that to our kids? No one in their right mind would. So why do we think God does that to us? Maybe John would. But <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. He wouldn't. I've seen him. <laughs> but I'm saying, what I'm saying is, a lot, you, that's crazy. You're saying that's extreme. But a lot of times when we take the love out of the equation, when we take the love the Father has for us out of it, that's what we're thinking deep down inside. And until we realize that God is for us, until we start thinking that, out of everything I do, that serving in the church, that giving 10%, that sowing is a love response and not just a duty. It will change your life forever. 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 Right? That there's a Father, that our God loves you so much. So much. He doesn't want you to just read it in the Bible every day. He doesn't want you to just pr pray and talk to him every day. He wants you to feel it. He wants, he wants to express it to you. When John was talking, he kept saying that love expresses itself. Love expresses itself more than a book. You hear. God will tell you in your heart. You'll feel the peace. You'll feel his embrace. You will see him work. 
you'll see him move. And if you haven't, maybe it's because you really don't think he's good. God is not withholding his love from you, saying, okay, you're not ready yet, okay, you're not ready. He wants to unleash it. He wants to show you that he loves you so much. But if we're not ready, if we're not seeing it, if we're not speaking the same love language, we'll never get it. And we'll keep trying, we'll keep doing our godly disciplines of reading the Bible every day. And it'll work for some time. But then we lose motivation. We, we, lose, we lose sight of that he loves us. It's a response. Everything we do is a response out of love because of how much he loves you. Um, let me... <clears throat> let's open your Bible to Luke 15. Luke 15. Um, we're going to go through verses 11 through 31, but actually we're not going to read the whole thing. But um, I'm sure many, 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 many of you have heard this story. It's, if you have NIV, it's titled The Parable of the Lost Son. Some of you know it as the Prodigal Son, right? Um, King James Version, I think, has the title of this story right. Uh, King James Version titles this story, not the prodigal son, not the lost son, but the loving, compassionate father. See, growing up in the church, we're, we're often concerned about what we do. Even here, the translation of the, the title of it, they're concerned about what the son does. I'm telling you right now, you don't have to do anything. That. When you learn how much God loves you, you can't help but do something. I'm going to say that again. You don't have to do anything to, show that, to prove that God loves you. But when you learn that God loves you, you can't help but do something. You can't help but read your Bible. You can't help but serve. You can't help because it's a response. It's not a duty anymore. It's a response. So I just want to paint a picture to you of how... God's heart is. <clears throat> um, I'm going to start. You guys know the story about this son who, um, the younger son of a rich father, was a compassionate, loving father. Uh, he was still young. The father gave the son all his inheritance. And the son, what did he do? He went out, spent all his money, he squandered it, he slept with prostitutes and Sinned, basically. Wasted it. Right? And then he turned back to, he said, man, I messed up. I messed up. So let's pick it up from verse 11. I'm sorry, not 11. Verse 17. Verse 17. Luke 15, verse 17. <clears throat> it says, this is the son talking, or son when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. So, think about this. Before the son went off to spend all his money, he inherited all the father had for him. He inherited the mother. He inherited the money. The father, I'm sure, knew that the son was going to do stupid stuff. I'm sure the father knew that he was going to mess up. But what did the father do? He gave him the money anyway. Gave him the money anyway. The son was not a proper steward, right? We hear this all the time, that we have to be good stewards. Um, Nothing wrong with that. But the son messes up. He messes up. I think this is all of us believers. This story is about us believers. Because even as believers, even when we mess up, God still gives you his inheritance. He will gladly give it to you. When the son messes up, he realizes it on his own. When he's talking here, he's kind of talking to himself. He's like, okay, I messed up bad. I got to talk to my father. Let me practice what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, Father, I'm so sorry. I messed it up. And we do that as Christians too, right? We do that all the time. We're like, okay, we prepare what we're going to say when we, we fess up, when we confess our sins. But look, here's the important part. Look at what the Father does. Verse, uh, start 19 again. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. 20. He got up and went to his father. He got up and went to his father. Here's the important part. But while he was still long way off, his son, his father, saw his son and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I'm going to read that again. But while his son was long away, his father was... His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, hugged him, and kissed him. A perfect picture of God's heart. Right there. The son had no chance to say, I'm sorry, father, for taking the money and messing it up. What did the father do? He just straight up saw him from far away, ran to him, and braced him. He didn't say, son, you messed up. Do you know that? You do? Okay, let me give you a hug. No, what did he do? He didn't care that he sinned. He didn't care that he spent all his money. He cared that his son was back to him. That's the kind of father we have. He doesn't care if you blow away your blessings. He doesn't care if you uh, sin. What he cares about is that he realized he loved him. The the, the, The messed up son realized that My father takes care of people. My father loves other people. His workers, he's got to love me. That's what God cares about. Do you realize that he loves you? Do you realize that? He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to put guilt on you. Right? That's the enemy that does that. Right? You think God is like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You didn't do that. You know, now that you know... Now that you've learned a lesson, it's okay. 
I'll welcome you back. No, what did the father do? The father ran to him, embraced him, and loved him. That's what God does to you. That's what God does to you, right? <clears throat> and I'm telling you what, that's, that's what we need to learn is how much God loves you. We need to learn that because, you know, a lot of times when we're doing good, when we're reading our Bible every day, we get tired of it. We lose the passion because we forget how much God loves us. Everything we do should be a response of to how God loves you. People, um, I have, um, I've had the, the honor of sharing life with, with a lot of different godly people, especially in China and missionaries. And um, a lot of people who were preachers, a lot of people who were missionaries, a lot of people who were servants of God. And when we came to China, everyone still had their junk. Everyone still had their mess. I shared with you last time I was here, some of the people I worked with, some of them had been raped. Some of them had raped someone. Someone has struggled with homosexuality. People struggle with pornography, struggle with sin. And these are people working hard in the church. And a part of the reason they left to come to China was because they were tired of living, of struggling, first of all, struggling with sin, and they were tired of just putting this face on every Sunday that they have to be holy, that they have to do it. And they were frustrated that they could never get over these sins. They could never let anything go. And this was my first week of training was one of the most amazing, amazing trainings I ever had because I had never met these people. But we spent seriously like two days, over three days of about 44 people sharing their life testimony. And it started with the leader of our group. And he was one of the most vulnerable people I've ever met. He shared his struggles with um, cheating on his wife. He was a believer at the time, but he cheated on his wife. Right? And you may look and be like, ooh, what kind of believer was that? Right? But these people struggled with sin. And they couldn't share that with anybody because they're always ashamed. They were condemned that they couldn't be real with people, that they were not real. And they continued to struggle with this. And we were completely open with one another. In the three years of getting to know these people, I've experienced the most inner healing. I've seen lives change. I've seen their life change. Not because they prayed more. Not because they tried more. Because they realized how much God loved them. Because when they opened up and shared their testimony with me, with others, that, that we didn't look at them and say, shame on you. You're, you're a preacher. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be thinking that. Well, we did, looked at them the same. In fact, I loved them even more because they were real to me. They weren't this super pastor, this super evangelist. They were real people who struggled with sin, just like you and me. And that's what God wants. I'm telling you, if you want to get over a sin, if you want to let go of bondage, plug into, learn how much God loves you. Don't focus on, I have to do this. I have to abstain from this movie. I have to abstain from this friend. I can't do this. I can't do this. No, don't do that. Focus on how much God loves you. 
that even if you mess up, you fall into the arms of a loving father. And now you say, but Joe, you're giving us a license to sin. I can do anything, you, I, can do anything I want because God will forgive me. No, let me tell you this. I'll go back to Mike and Faith. When they're giving their vows, and Mike says, uh, what do you say when you give a vow? I don't know. <laughs> you say, uh, from, from, till death do us part, right? Uh, what else do you say? I'll cherish you till death do us part, right? That's the blah, 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 all right? <laughs> I'm not married yet. Um, so, <laughs> so, right, so you, you get to that part. I love you till death do us part, no matter what. What if Jim or Fernando or somebody said, all right, Mike, you can do whatever you want because she'll love you no matter what, right? Do you, would Mike do that? No. Because he's honoring his relationship with his wife. He's responding to her love. He's responding to her love. And that's what you got to do with God. You don't got to focus. You don't have this license to sin. That's an immature way to think it. No. You see his love for you, and you respond, and you want to do those things. You want to serve in church. You want to be holy. You want to be righteous. You want to read your Bible every day because it's a response. Everything in the Bible points to God. You know, it points to how much he loves you. And that's what we want. We want to feel. Yes, love is an action. Yes, love is an action. If you go on, if you go on with this story, you talk about the older brother. The older brother followed the rules of the loving father. He did everything the father wanted. But what? He never realized that the father loved him. And I think a lot of people in the church do that. Still, they follow all the rules. They do the right thing. He couldn't rejoice with his brother who realized the father, father loved him because even through his actions, his good deeds, he still didn't know that his father loved him. So you can do both. You could sin and not know God loves you, and you can do the right thing out of bad intentions not knowing that the Father loves you, and still be in the wrong place. <clears throat> One of the things I learned is, you know, I hear, you hear in the Bible that faith without works is dead. Very true. But also in the same way, works without faith is dead. Faith is trusting in someone. How do you trust someone? You love them. You love them. Right? When something bad happens, you don't say, God did this to me. You say, no, I trust in a loving Father who will work things together for good. And God wants you to experience that. He doesn't want you to just read it, but he wants you to full on experience his love. You'll experience it with people. You'll experience it through financial blessing. You'll experience it through healing. He has so much power that we have not tapped into. You have no idea. I'm just blown away. Like, in being in China, I've seen, it's like, yeah, I know God loves me, but I've seen it. I felt it. I've seen people healed. I've seen legs grow. I've seen um, <clears throat> people allergies who had allergies for years, and they were healed. And you say, allergies, who? That's just something small, right? But if you don't realize those little things that God does, you'll never see the big things. 
you'll never see him. So when you rejoice in the little things that God does, he'll entrust you with more and he'll show you more. That's his heart. He wants to give you more. He doesn't want you to live in, in lack. He doesn't want you to be, uh, have no job or no money coming in. He wants to take care of you. He wants to love you. And everything we do should be a response from how much he loves you. How much he loves you. He wants to show you, show you. <clears throat> right? And I think a lot of times, I don't know, growing up in the church, we like to spiritualize everything. We like to religiousize everything. We do. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I'm here to tell you that everything you do, every breath you take, every move you make, revolves around God's love for you. <clears throat> God is not interested in you making him a priority. God is not interested in you making him on top of your list, that every day you have to work, wake up and he's the first thing, uh, you, first person you talk to. God, you know, family, uh, God first, family second, uh, kids, work, then me. Right? God's not worried about you making him a priority. What God is interested in is being the center of it all, of being the heartbeat of everything you do. That everything you do, whether it be at work, like I was talking, someone asked me a question about what ministry was like in China. And I view ministry so different now because for me before, ministry was something I did on the weekend. It was totally different than what I did during the week, right? Being in China, our church was not in a wall. Our church was in somebody's room, meeting. Our church was sharing life, breaking bread. That's what the early church did. They broke bread, they ate together. There was no program. It was just a matter of loving God and loving each other. Through that, you love each other so much easier. It starts here, and it goes out there. When it starts here, you can't help but give out love. You can't help. Don't focus on giving out love. Focus on the love the Father has for you. You've, it says for, um, I forgot where, but it says in the Bible, to those who love much have been forgiven much. When you realize how much you've been forgiven and how much God loves you, not, he didn't die on the sins just to make a way for you to, to get to heaven. He, he died on the cross because he loves you. He's enthralled by you. He knows the numbers on your head that he's, when he sees John, he's like, I love this dude. I love his little quirks, right? Like how he twitches when, like he when he smiles. God loves those little things about you. And when you, do, when you learn that, Church is natural. There's no separation between church and everything you do, right? Ministry for me is, is spending life with people. I was talking to Jim the other day, right? And he, he went fishing with a couple of the youth. I, went, I was there while they were fishing, and then I left. And then the next day I asked them how to go. How was the rest of the time? And he said, you know, after you left, we had a good talk. One of the brothers opened up. That's ministry right there, is opening up, sharing life together. It's not about 
principles and sermons is about sharing life and loving one another. Because those principles, when you really share life and you love God, those principles will come out. I'm not telling you to forget those principles. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you to focus on God and those principles, those things, you'll naturally live it out. Naturally. Um, I'm going to share with you two more stories really quick. Um, Actually, I'll just share one. God wants to show you how much he loves you. I asked my dad if I could share this story story with him. A lot of times I really believe that the things, our view of God happens, we're limited by our experiences here on earth. We're limited God's love by our experiences here on earth. Now, I don't share this story for you to like, oh, you know, blah, 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 pastor's not this or, you know, I can't believe that. I share this to just be vulnerable and be real. Um, I love pastors who don't, you know, share with me, you need to do this. I love pastors. I love people who share with me life, their struggles, so that you can relate and you can love. So I want to share with you this. Um, <clears throat> growing up in a, as a pastor's kid, um, <clears throat> you know, we long for these experiences with our Heavenly Father. Um, to embrace us, and he wants to give it to you. And we also long for that here on earth, especially from the people here, from the people tangible to us. And <clears throat> tangible, my father, it's easy for me to relate to that to my heavenly father, because that's my earthly father. This is him. This is what I know. Um, and some of the things I had to learn and go through. Uh, for example, growing up in the church, uh, our father was very busy with the church. He was working full-time in um, Edison. And, uh, you know, as kids were in school, in high school, and, you know, when he wasn't working, he was at a Bible study or something. And um, he could never go to our games. And uh, my brother always taught, like, growing up, um, my brother will share it to you. Uh, when I had games, my brother would come to my games. <laughs> Because he knew how it felt. <clears throat> and <clears throat> it's like you can't blame my dad. He's serving the church. But sometimes as a kid, you want to know that you are loved. And I remember my dad came to two games in all the years of playing. And those were the worst two games of my life. Because <laughs> I remember in the back of my head, oh, I got to show that I, you know, I'm doing this for a reason. Like, you know, I'm good. And, um, you know, that I'm not just wasting my time. And um, uh, one of the first times I felt like my earthly father was happy with me was serving in the youth. And can't blame him. He serves in the youth. I'm finally doing something that he likes, he enjoys. Um, so it's like, okay, dad, papa likes it when I'm serving in the youth. Other than that, I'm wasting my time, all right? And it's not his fault. 
It's just being here, sin, and how the devil works with your mind. A lot of times I viewed God like that. Like he's only happy with me when I'm doing his work, when I'm reading my Bible, that he's not happy with me when I'm playing basketball. That's one of the ungodly beliefs. I want you to unlearn that God is concerned with the little things in your life. <clears throat> what that did was it caused me, you know, that I never wanted to like talk to my dad because the only thing he wants to talk about is church. He's not concerned with how I'm feeling, what I'm going through. And I would do that with God. And I don't know what happened. I don't know my dad went to some convention or something. But something started to change in college. And he would ask me, you know, Joe, how are you doing? But from the years of him not doing it, I didn't want to open up to him. Because I was afraid. And we do that to God a lot. Because we think all he's concerned about is you doing the right thing. <clears throat> Two years ago, I was in China. And I was doing a... One of the big things that helped me realize how much God loves me is I did a study on the Song of Songs. Um, it's just filled with language of vivid imagery of how much God loves you. And um, I was just, it's like, okay, I'm learning this new things. I'm unlearning a lot of the things. And it's like, okay, God loves me. God loves me. And I was going through this time, like, I was getting attacked. I was like, I'm not good enough. I was, God was, I felt like I was being led to lead a study. And I was like, I'm not good enough. I was just getting attacked. And I was just like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good. I don't know you, God. And I remember I was in my room, like, I was just having those moments with God, like, just crying out to him. And I was like, God, I need to talk to someone. And it was like 4 in the morning where I was. It was like 9 or something. It was in the morning here. And... All, all my room, like, people in my building are asleep, people that I could talk to. I was like, God, I need to talk to someone. And my computer was on playing music. And then, I don't know if you're familiar with Skype, but Skype started ringing. And then, I was like, okay, God, i got to talk to someone. And I look at it, and it's my dad calling. And I was like, okay, God, anybody but him. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, when, when I talk to my dad on the phone, on Skype, it's really short. It's like 10 minutes. Like, hey, how are you doing? What's new? Okay, this is what's happening in church. Okay, I got to go. Bye. Right? And I didn't want to talk like that. And <clears throat> I was like, all right. Got to talk to someone. I click answer. And I'm trying to hide my face. Because Skype, you can see. You can see the people. And I'm trying to hide my face 
all my lights are off and just like this. I was like, hi. And then it's my mom. And then she's like, what's wrong? Huh? What's wrong? She's like, are you, are you crying? Are you crying? And then she's like, Papa, come here, come here. Just cry. <laughs> and my like, nature was like, they don't really care. Like, because <clears throat> of my past experiences. And I was like, all right. They, they sit there. And I could see that my dad's getting ready to go somewhere, and my mom, they're about to leave. And I was like, I don't want to bother them. And then, you know, they start telling me, oh, we're about to go to this Bible study. And, and then I was like, okay. It's like, all right, I'll see you later. And they're like, no, what's wrong? And then I just, the tears just started gushing out of my face. And I said, I think this is one of the first, first times I said, tell my dad, I said, I said, Pa, I don't need you to be a pastor. I need you to be my dad. And he just sat there. He listened to me complain. He listened to my heartache. He didn't give me advice on how to get out of it. He didn't give me Bible verses to encourage me. He sat there and he listened. And that's what our Heavenly Father wants to do with you. He wants to sit there and hold and hold you and listen to your crap, listen to your struggles, and not tell you what to do, but stand there with you. Stand there with you. He wants you to feel it. At that moment, I never felt close to my dad like I did at that moment, and he was in America. You know, God does not just want to be your God. He wants to be Abba. Abba means Papa. And we will not know that unless we really learn in our hearts that God is for you, that he's not against you, that he did not come here. He came here to bring you life and not death. He's not here to condemn you. He's not here to guilt you into doing anything. He's not here to be your slave master. He's not here to take your money. That he's simply here to just love you. He wants to show you. And um, I'll have the worship team come up <clears throat> as we close. Um, <clears throat> I just want to share with you two quotes that have helped me um, really see God's heart for me, for you, is, one of them is, 
We may not have all the answers, but we can have full assurance that the negative circumstances that we may sometimes experience are not the works of God. Neither neither are the punishment of your sins. When we have this confidence that God is for us and not against us, we can believe for restoration, breakthrough, and good things to happen to us. When we really learn that God is for you and against you, the healing process can begin. True change can begin. Breaking the chains of sin can begin. It's not the other way around. When God did miracles, when Jesus did miracles on the earth, right? When he saw the man with the withered hand or when um, he healed the paralytic man, what did he do? He didn't say, hey, do you have sin in your life? Yes. You recognize it, so now you're healed. No, what did he do? He said, you be healed and go and sin no more. He did it the other way around. He did, he showed how good he was, and he said, don't sin anymore. Right? Focus on God's love for you. And the second quote is, true change doesn't happen when we make promises to God, but true change happens when we believe God's promises to us. When we make promises to God, we fail. And our guilt multiplies. Don't focus on your sin. Don't focus on being the prodigal son or the good works. Don't focus on your actions. Focus on God's love for you. And the actions will, can't help but come out. Can't help but come out. For those of you who don't feel like ready, like I can't step into ministry, I can't do this, you can. Because God is standing there with you. Because you are 100% righteous. You are 100% holy. And you believe that God died for your sins. Um, I'm just going to close in prayer. And just um, say, Father God, just thank you so much for... Um, for your love and for your grace, Father God, that no matter what we do, whether good or bad, you love us unconditionally, Father God. Lord, and I just pray that a fresh, a fresh wind, a fresh revelation of your love happen to each and every person here in this church, Father God, not, not just inside these church walls, but Father God, whatever they're doing, whether they're sitting um, in their car, Father God, they don't have to be reading their Bible for you to show you Show them how much you love them, Father God. And I pray that you just release your love on every person here, that you would show them miracles, that you would show them a blessing, Father God, because not because they did any good or they refrain from sin, but because you are good, Father God. Because you are good. I declare that over every person's life here, Lord. In your name we pray.